0: This is a Discovery Church podcast. Every heart found in Jesus' story. Wherever you are in your journey of faith, we pray that this message brings you deep encouragement. If you would like to get involved in the life of our
1: church, head over to discoverychurch.com.au or check out our social media or YouTube channel. Morning, everyone. What makes you feel uncomfortable? (laughs) What causes or creates discomfort for you? What happens when you get uncomfortable? How do you respond? Do you turn and run? Or do you engage it as an opportunity of learning, an opportunity to be stretched? Maybe it depends a little bit on the kind of um, discomfort or the circumstance, the context in which you're experiencing the uh, the, the discomfort, doesn't it? Because there's uncomf- being uncomfortable and there's being uncomfortable. The COVID years were an uncomfortable season for most of us, if not all of us, in a range of different ways. Yet, as Jody would say, COVID gave us a divine pause. I love that. A divine pause. Out of that discomfort emerged the legacy project, a discernment about our location, about this land, and about the leverage these two and the giftings that God has given each one of us uh, can can bring to seeing a 24-7 community hub on this site. Grateful for those who built this building 30 or so years ago. Grateful for those who 76 years ago started uh, Mount Evelyn Church of Christ. Uh, we're imagining that the, the legacy that we might leave for the next generation. In discerning this, we've uh, understood and we've uh, acknowledged that there's also a need to engage the first peoples of this land and the surrounding lands. Those who've lived here for tens of thousands of years, no disrespect to the 30 or 76. This could be an uncomfortable conversation. Thinking of discomfort, some stories. We were very tired. A group of Churches of Christ ministers on a similar trip to what Matt is just uh, undertaken in, in the United States and we'd flown into LA in the morning and we'd visited a couple of churches through the day and then we'd flown on to Phoenix that night to look at some more churches the next day and we were picked up at the airport by a bus and we were bussed out to the various places that we were staying at uh, with different hosts and so uh, we were just dead tired, wanted to hit the bed, it was all over as far as that day was concerned for us and we, uh, two of us, uh, were uh, located at a particular venue and our host welcomed us in, uh, showed us where our beds were, which we were just about to turn into. And they said, they insisted, in fact, you must come upstairs. And this African-American couple invited us into the lounge room upstairs in their house. And there was a, a chair and a bucket and a towel. And they proceeded to wash our feet one by one. Well, not just one foot by one, but one person by one person. It was a very uncomfortable moment. For in my head was all this thinking about these guys, uh, their ancestors were slaves and now they're acting as servants? It was all in the spirit of John 13, of course. Bucket and towel, Jesus, Jesus, disciples' feet. And as always uh, should happen in times of discomfort, a conversation ensued and we heard their salvation story. We heard how the the narrative that had led them to uh, a faith in Jesus. And nearly 30 years later, I hear a conversation that was from slave to servant and from humiliation to humility I also hear this echoed in the Uluru Statement from the Heart, a humble invitation from First Nations Australians, asking all Australians to walk together to build a better future, to walk together. Another story. One lunchtime, Peter the Apostle was up on the roof praying, as you do, just before lunch. He was pretty hungry, but he was praying, and he had a dream, and in the dream, a sheet came down, and there was all kinds of different foods on there, non-kosher foods, foods that really uh, Jewish people had no right to look at, let alone to eat, and he was uh, encouraged by, by a voice to actually take and eat once, twice, and three times he was encouraged And this created several conversations for Peter, uh, there and then in the moment, but also over the ensuing months. The last conversation that he was a part of was what we know as in the Bible story, the Bible narrative, the story of the early church, as the Council of Jerusalem uh, in Acts chapter 15. And it was a crucial step in the the small proto-church changing from being a monocultural church to a multicultural church. It was confronting. It was uncomfortable for some. New believers were no longer required to follow all those strict Jewish laws before they could be real Christians. Now they could be real Christians, whatever their background and whatever their their habits. Despite the potential heat in this gathering of the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem, uh, it was a very respectful debate. There was storytelling and there was a posture of listening undertaken and there was no politicisation and there was no demonisation of an uncomfortable issue. There was no labelling or finger pointing. There was no judging of those who were presenting alternative views. There was no, of, no evasion of the discomfort the conclusion that seemed good to Holy Spirit and to us as was recorded in a letter uh, was, it would, would be further explained by, uh, by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 where he talked about um, one body, many parts. And in Galatians 3 and 28 where he said in Christ's family, there's neither Jew nor Greek. To me, this is a great model for uncomfortable conversations. And from time to time, we have them uh, in church communities, Uh, conversations about things that really matter, like how we can follow the way of Jesus to live justly and to show mercy and and kindness to the marginalised and to the vulnerable, and how best we can engage the first peoples of this land on which we live and work and worship and play, which is what we must do, engage the first peoples. Not to fulfil, as Matt reminded us last week, a political agenda. For we're not taking a political line, but we're taking a prayer line. as an expression of the way of Jesus, of the kingdom, the place where God's grace and shalom and hope and reconciliation reign. After all, as followers of Jesus, our vocation is to find common ground, is to persuade people to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. That is, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And there are things to be made right. There is an uncomfortable truth telling to be heard, a listening to be undertaken if we are to grapple with the present realities of the Closing the Gap report and their historic sources. As the report states, Indigenous people record higher rates of incarceration, lower life expectancy, higher infant mortality, higher rates of alcohol and other substance abuse, higher rates of domestic violence, and the list goes on. The key, the uncomfortable question is this, can we have healing and reconciliation, can we walk together to build a better future, can common ground if we, if we don't acknowledge the pain and its causes, after all, in ruptured connections between, uh, between God and people and between people and people, uh, both confession and repentance come before reconciliation. And so in um, 2013, 2013 churches of Christ and Vic Taz, at their annual meeting, adopted the First People's Solidarity Statement in 2013, there was a lot of discussion about uh, such statements and about uh, inclusion of words in the Constitution. Uh, that's 10 years ago. And the, the statement that uh, was agreed to by a standing ovation, a, a, a unanimous standing ovation at the annual general meeting, in, I'm not going to read it all. Um, you can find a link to it um, in, uh, on, in the sermon notes. But it reads. It starts off as part of a continuing journey to express our desire for reconciliation and solidarity with the First Peoples of Australia, the Aboriginal and Islander people. Churches of Christ in the group that we're a part of, acknowledges with respect the First Peoples, their nations, their elders, and their families, past and present. Affirms that Australia is a land created and sustained by God and inhabited for thousands of years by the first peoples as the custodians of the land and its resources expresses deep sadness and regret at the injustice and mistreatment suffered by the first peoples as a result of European colonisation which includes dispossession of their land and cultural losses leading to profound suffering, grief and loss by generations of first peoples confesses that the gospel witness of Churches of Christ and Victaz, although well-intentioned and done in a spirit of servanthood, was at times insensitive to existing cultural and linguistic traditions and contributed to their permanent loss. And says sorry. And seeks forgiveness for any hurt we may have caused from any wrong we may have done. And before you ask the question, why, why should I say sorry for something I didn't do? But a good question, common question. It's important to note that the solidarity statement was written and agreed to in the spirit of that great Old Testament leader, Nehemiah. Before any wall design and rebuilding in Jerusalem started rebuilding the wall, his leadership story began in prayerful repentance. Nehemiah humbly confessed to something that he himself didn't actually do, but admitted a shared responsibility for, conceding the inbred role in the wall's collapse what courage and generosity, what maturity and humility. May we continue to have the same spirit as we begin this conversation. I'm going to invite the panel to come and join me now. But up on the screen, there's a question for you to think about. You might choose to talk to somebody nearby. Uh, Share a moment of, uh, or think of and, and or share a moment of discomfort that opened you to grow or change or be renewed or refreshed spiritually in a relationship, in a work or school or sporting setting. A moment of discomfort that opened you to grow or change, be renewed or refreshed. Take a moment to think about that. Um, Maybe if you wanted to, to talk to somebody uh, nearby as well. They're very shy, they're filling a bit uncomfortable. We'd like to uh, welcome uh, Nick White um, from uh, IMA, GMP. Uh, we'll talk a little bit to each of these guys in a moment. Uh, and also Carly Cassidy, his uh, mission minister at One Church in Blackburn. Uh, And uh, Steve, who is a part of Foothills um, Community Care, which is sort of up the other end of the hills. You had a misty drive down here, I understand, um, today. So it's great to have the three of you with us um, today. Um, Where to start? Mm. Nick, um, I'm not sure, I think you were probably there when we agreed to that statement in 2013. Uh, That wasn't the first connection that Churches of Christ had with uh, Indigenous people, though, is it? Is there some other greater history that you might like to briefly give us a a bit of an insight to?
0: That does sound a little bit of a setup, Paul. You do know that there is a a really amazing, (laughs) quite a rich, I mean, it's complex, but an amazing rich uh, history. I love history. I've got a PhD in Google history.
1: <laughs>
0: um, I, I follow uh, I follow many rabbit holes. I, actually, that's going to sound really conspiracy. I'm not that person, you I could. don't think. But I, I just love our history. I love finding out stuff. It's not always easy to find some of this stuff, but um, we do. Churches of Christ have an amazing, as I say, it's not always. Um, Wonderful, but it's, it's, it has its complications. But we do have a rich history, and I don't know what it is. I really would love to get to the bottom of what it is within our traditions, what storylines flow through Churches of Christ. Um, I think you hit, touched on some of those things, in what you're just sharing. Actually, we have uh, some a level of kind of openness, or something about our DNA that has ama- resulted in some of these amazing connections. So, I mean, most of us here follow, or hopefully, follow the. True, true believers?
1: Yes, you might think most people are true believers, although some of them are truly true believers.
0: You know what I'm, I'm pointing towards the Indigenous round with AFL, and Barrow and I do know that Collingwood is the only true team.
1: And then there's Richmond, of course. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but the, that, that Indigenous round is named after Sir Doug Nichols, as you, hopefully you would all know, and as a pastor, he was a pastor within our movement, within the Churches of Christ. So that's just one storyline, and it's an amazing storyline, but many others like that, Paul, that, um, yeah, I think are really worth discovering.
1: And uh, you've got a, a role in um, Global Mission Partners in Indigenous Mission Australia, Ministries Australia. How come a white fella like you is doing this black fella's work? Oh, this is a, you know,
0: I didn't think you were going to ask that question. It, it is really complicated and it's um, well, no, complicated yeah. is not right. It's complex. But um, it's your story. Yeah, look, it is. And I, I think I love that common ground, I love that. I, and I love what you, you just kind of said everything, I think, already in the intro. but. This idea of of common ground, it speaks to me a lot and we we, we wrestle a lot, I've got a lot of Indigenous mates and friends and connections and we wrestle a lot with the nature of the spaces we're in and culture, just simply a tool, a way of understanding who we are and what we do. And I love it, there's a culture here, you know, you get a sense of it when you come into a place of celebration or of connection, of warmth, they're all cultural things, you one of the best definitions I heard of culture, um, the word culture, is just simply the way we do things around here. Mm. And when we understand that not everybody does it all the things that you know the same way, there are different places, aren't there? There are different, and that speaks to like even different locations. So um, without getting too, this is how you can see the complexity in this, I'm getting really, but I love that there are some really good frameworks and really good tools that we wrestle with. That say that GMP our, uh, and IMA, our program area, Indigenous program area, is essentially a non, still a non-Indigenous organisation, a non-Indigenous entity. So our job is working out how do we partner with Indigenous communities and Indigenous people, uh, and so that's our role, and that, that's the, the whole notion of common ground. How do we find those places where we can enter safely and share safely together when we see things sometimes differently or have experienced the world differently? And that, I mean, it just, you know, I just love talking about that stuff. You can tell. Yes. How, how long have we got?
1: But so how did it first grab your attention?
0: My per- personally? personally. That, oh, my goodness. Um, you know, the gifts that come from the spirit, I know, are, are amazing and mysterious and complex. But I think the, what, the gift of compassion is one um, that is just uh, undeniable as, a, as a, perhaps a way that opens our, cracks open our hearts to to the, the difficulty of, of suffering in our world. And we know that we we worship a, a Christ who you knows was intimately acquainted with suffering. Yeah. Um, so for me personally, that was my story. Just I didn't know. I felt... Um, yeah, part of my lone story has been connected with St Kilda Gatehouse and going right back to South Melbourne Church of Christ and the Hershers and all those guys. And we did some stuff in St Kilda. And I, it was... Um, I didn't really know what we're doing. Mostly what we're doing is making mistakes, but we, we connected with an Indigenous community that was living pretty much on the streets of St Kilda. And I didn't know... I felt like so foreign. you talk about being uncomfortable? They would meet around a, a campfire, literally on Fitzroy Street, if you've ever been down there. there was a little park at the end of Fitzroy Street. And they were gathered around this fire, and I felt so out of my depth. I had no idea what I was doing, but I felt compelled to go and just sit and connect. And all I experienced was, oh, hello, son, come and sit down, and... Um, and I still, you know, in my mind, I'm going, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to talk about? But it was more about that connection and belonging and it was that compassion that just compelled me to connect that way. And I don't know how to shake that off. You know, once it grabs hold of your heart, um, and I know you, you would all know this, yeah, when, you've, when something grabs you in that way at a deep, deep level, there's not much you can do about it. You can't actually deny it. It makes it really difficult to, to do that. So that was the doorway for me That um, that's over. Th- something five years ago when we were doing Gatehouse and we had a little church called Matthew's Party back in the day and um, it was mostly chaos but uh, that doorway of compassion for me was what just compelled us to go and keep mm-hmm. connecting. Yep.
1: Yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing that Carly at one uh, I know that you've begun also to, to connect and, and reach out to indigenous people why 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 would a church that's pretty much like us um, decide to um, have that experience
2: oh good question we we're, we're still on the journey we're still got a long way to go we're still learning or unlearning I like to say um, but for me personally, when I uh, took on the role of missions minister, um, I really wanted to just sort of wipe the slate clean and start over. We did a full review of all our partnerships and why we were doing it. We were going right back to that question of why and um, I just really felt like um, there was that the call you know to Love the Lord with all your heart and love your neighbour as yourself. You know, we really needed to start from from the basics, start from love. Why are we loving? Who are we loving? And... Um I had I had more questions than answers and so the, that why led me to um, we need to look in our own backyard first uh, and a, a very wise man told me we all have a cultural tale until we understand um, you know where we came from and our story, our history, our ancestry then it's, it's very hard to connect with other cultures and um, our overseas partners so we really wanted to look at home first, the, the light that shines the furthest, shines the brightest at home. And so that, that was our why. And we took that why to Nick because um, he was working with IMA, GMP, and Global Mission Partners is the missional arm of Churches of Christ. So that just seemed like a really great place to start.
1: So what was the practical next step that you took?
2: Uh, well... We had a few had a few small steps in place. So when we first um, started the renovations of our new church, we had a beautiful Indigenous artist, Safina Stewart, come and commission a piece of beautiful artwork for our church um, as a bit of a um, I, th- I like to say a conversation starter. Uh, because it's in the, the centre of our church. Everyone walks past it, and it's a good conversation starter. Um, but we also we did a songlines walk, and Nick invited us to join him up at Jurakai. We went up and met a beautiful family up in Fingal Head. And, um, yeah. and like I said, we've still got a long way to go, but there are some really good first steps to take. They all lead to Nick. <laughs> He's, he has a wealth of knowledge and, yeah, he is excellent in that role, so.
1: Thank you for that. Uh, Barra, oh, sorry, Steve, I should say, Steve Barrington. I call you Barra. Um, Steve, what about uh, Foothills and, and your own personal journey in terms of engaging Indigenous? Sure.
3: Thank you. Um, well, for Foothills, our... our- Commission, I guess our thing is around serving our community and particularly those that fall between the cracks, those that, that, uh, that miss out. And, uh, and I guess that's been, I guess, my heart over the last many, many years. I've been involved in God's God Squad Christian Motorcycle Club for many years, so learning under John Smith and as a very young man, really encouraged to, um, to listen to uh, our Indigenous, our First Nations people and particularly our Christians amongst it. I remember probably about 30, 35 years ago um, we went for a, a bike ride up through the uh, mountains and came through Hillsville and we stopped at a, at a place there which is uh, on the land called Corrondirk, which some of you may, may or mm. not know of, an old mission, Aboriginal Indigenous mission, where a lot of um, amazing leaders have, have come from. And there in the paddocks there, there's this old graveyard there and uh, we wandered around there. And we listened and and read the stories there. And John led us on this this basically this prayer of lament. Um, and it was a really profound time. I remember in my life just thinking, I, I know so little about our indigenous people. We know a lot about injustices overseas, you know, as apartheid in South Africa and all those things then. But what do we know, actually know about our own people? And so it's a, it was a really profound time of. of being committed to listen, listen to the voices of others and particularly listening to our First Nations people in our own space. And I guess that's been the journey for the while. So this this is good, uncomfortable conversations um, and sitting through stuff and trying to undo the learnings that I had, uh, that I'd taken on in terms of my um, upbringing and so on. So listening's been a big part of it. I guess uh, for me as a follower of Jesus, it's really... um, following Jesus, who is compassionate, who is led by compassion. And as Paul said before, when you when we read the Uluru Statement, it really is a gracious invitation to walk with our First Nations people and to join in with them on this. So, so yeah, it's been a, a lifelong journey and, and still a long, long way to go.
1: So a coming together, really, again, picking up the idea of compassion and, and mission, a coming together of number a number of strands of your story, but the... Importance, the urgency, the necessity of also engaging Indigenous?
3: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It happens at many, many different levels. So for us at, personally and uh, for us at Foothills, it's about connecting with our local Indigenous uh, people. So um, here in the outer east of Melbourne, it's uh, through Mullum Mullum community that uh, many of you would be aware of down in um, through Ringwood and Croydon and connecting with the people there uh, at Belgrade Survival Day each year. Um, being part of that uh, network which, which embraces and connects with people it's through NAIDOC week this coming week looking at what are the local uh, festivals the local celebration times the local activities and connecting in there just going along and attending and listening listening is a big part of it and um, and getting to know Indigenous people and actually listening to their stories um, part of my journey as getting older is uh, my hearing is not so great uh, much to my kids uh, um, humour at times, I know most children will not be like that, their parents would be much more respectful, but uh, so over the last uh, little while I've actually been going and getting hear- hearing tests and um, and in fact have to have more and it seems like I have to have hearing aids, um, which is just incredible and um, you know, this whole other journey anyway, but I'm often, uh, so situations like this is actually quite hard to hear where there's lots of noise and lots of background stuff and things like that and I often miss conversations and I often make up conversations. Most of the time it goes well, sometimes it goes horrendously bad, but, uh, but as I've been thinking about that and just over the other day looking at getting hearing aids, so I think what are the other things I miss in life? What are the conversations that I miss out on? Who do we actually? So, when I, have, when I engage with someone, I have to really in, intensely listen to them and sit face to face so I can actually see them. So, who do we do that with in our lives? And, um, and for someone, I think you mentioned before, Safina Stewart, um, a dear, dear friend, someone I've got to know really well, an amazing Christian Indigenous artist. Uh, so one of the things that we did last year with God Squad, it was our 50th anniversary in Melbourne, of uh, 50 years of ministry of God's faithfulness to us. We actually commissioned Safina to do some artwork. And, and this uh, T-shirt here is one of the things that she did. And it actually speaks about um, God Squad's story of um, following Jesus to the margins. And it's a whole story there. And it's quite beautiful. And I intentionally wore it today. I intentionally wore it uh, about two months ago at Foothills, when we had a special visitor come along to one of our Fern Tree Gallery meal nights. <laughs> we, uh, anyone from Aston here, from from Knox? Yep, no one. <laughs> <laughs> so Aston Knox area, we had our um, we had a by-election recently because our federal member uh, Alan Tudge sat down, stepped down, and so we had a by-election. and So he had the whole attention of the um, of the of, Australia on us, and so we had uh, candidates from both sides come along to our community meal nights. We had Mary Doyle, who's now the sitting member for Labor, come along. We had uh, Rashina, who was the, the candidate for Liberals, come along, with with Aaron Violi, who's the member for here, come along. So I get a call the night before they were coming along to our community meal. On Wednesday nights, we have about 80 people come and gather, and, uh, and uh, they said, oh, we want to bring a special friend along tomorrow. We want to bring... Um, Peter Dutton along, he's in town, can he come along to your community meal night? Um, It's fair to say I wasn't overjoyed about that, uh, partly because I knew that would bring a whole entourage of federal police and all of that, which it did, and I was worried about the people who would come along, but I wasn't, I thought, what am I going to say to this person? There was a whole lot of things I wanted to say that I thought perhaps wouldn't be appropriate, but I thought, how can we act? So I t- intentionally wore this T-shirt and I thought every chance I could get I'm going to speak about compassion, hospitality and inclusion. That's at the heart of what our ministry is about at Foothills. It's at the heart of what I believe we're about as Christians. And at the heart of if we treated people this way, what would our nation be like? What would our world be like? And I knew there'd be lots of photo ops with him standing side by side and there was. And so I said to Safina, I said, I'm now dubbing your T-shirt, the Peter Dutton T-shirt. She actually didn't like that, <laughs> so we reframed it. But uh, it's just amazing. It comes out of listening and the people we engage with and sitting down with and being intentional with our stories. It's mm, good. Thank you. Did I answer the question? Yeah. I,
1: I, I asked several others as well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Carly, what about challenges in terms of Indigenous engagement, um, learnings and challenges?
2: I think uh, our biggest challenge uh, where we are, so we're in Blackburn, a lot of people working, um, busy with their everyday life stuff, I think giving up the time and the space is our biggest challenge. Um, Getting people on board or getting them engaged or, you know, getting them interested in the first place. Um, Once they're there, but you've got to get them in. There's got to be a, <laughs> a pool somehow. So that's probably our biggest challenge. Um, also, I think um, just when we did go up to Jurukai, um, we had this incredible time with the Slab family up there and um, we got to um, take along on their surf contest that they had which was super fun it was so lovely and um I think one of the challenges is that people don't know how to ask the questions or how to start the conversation um like you said it's a bit awkward a bit uncomfortable and um So I think, yeah, they're probably the biggest challenges we face, just getting started and then just taking those first steps. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's a really awesome piece of artwork, which Nick can explain much better than I can, but it talks about a riverbed and the stepping stones on the riverbed. And I think um, most of us are on one side of the riverbank, and how do we get... Uh, even into those first few stepping stones into the river to to talk about cultures other than our own and especially in the Indigenous way.
1: And Carly, you mentioned um, the Songlines tour a moment ago. Nick, what's uh, the Songlines tour What and what's the value that you hope to pass on in that experience? Yeah, thanks, Paul. I,
0: I mean, uh, what Carly was just talking about, it's just a, again, it's a tool, it's an image given by an amazing um, Indigenous uh, Christian fellow called Mark Yedica Paulson. Um yeah. In fact, his father was the first ever ordained Indigenous, indigenous Baptist uh, minister, and they're up in Queensland. But Ma- Mark's a, a genius fellow, but it's a great tool. And to me, it goes that riverbed, if you like, between the two riverbanks uh, in his artwork. That is the common ground. That is the place we meet. So the discover the. I love the name of your church, by the way, because I... GMP, we use that word, discovery tours, or how do we discover things together? Yeah, there's something about that, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Just, uh, so that's simply what it actually is, Paul. It's about it's about finding... We're just trying to create spaces for common ground where um, it, it, is, it is uncomfortable. The uncomfortableness comes from sort of like just parking all of the things that we know. Now, I, I love to think that I know, you know lots of stuff, and so it's really... My, my wife tells me that's it's not quite the case. She um, reminds me, but she said, oh, it's another one of those white truths, yeah? And I go, yeah. Let's <laughs> see them again. Uh, it just gives me a sense of being in control, yeah? Like, you know, oh, and that's, you know, like I was saying, even about the Google research, I feel like knowing information gives you that sense of power and control. And yet everything about these, this common ground is, is, as Carly beautifully said, is, is so much about unlearning. And I don't think we should be afraid of that. It really is the thing that leads us into, uh, some might call it liminal space, or whatever you want. But we know that that's where real transformation, real change can, can occur, isn't it? When we actually open ourselves up and trust that the creator, that's a very long, complicated answer to what uh, Songlines tour, isn't it? But that's, we, it's just one of the things that we do, one discovery opportunity that we created. It's a three and a bit hour uh, experience to in here in Melbourne, where we just look into some of those, those storylines of uh, history, our Church of Christ history, uh, the history between Indigenous and non Indigenous in our own city. Uh, and then Kelly talked about the Jurakai one. We're starting to put together some other exciting ones, another one up to an amazing community up in uh, South East Queensland, and hopefully another one in South Australia in a more remote area around the Flinders Ranges. So they're just all we're trying to do is create ex- these opportunities for common ground. So I'm going to you know, extend that invitation to you guys too and say, listen, you know, I'd love to, let's do this together, let's try and host spaces together where we can find this common ground. But it is that maybe setting aside some of our assumptions or and our Google knowledge, which I struggle to set aside, but it's – and it all has its place, like it's, information is really helpful as a doorway, but mm. often it's leading us into this – the nature of this common ground is really what I'm interested in.
1: You're talking about humility.
0: Oh, that. So Mark Yedick Paulson's father, Uncle Graham Paulson just says, if only Philippians 2, if mm-hmm. only, that's your, that's your mission strategy right there. Right there.
1: And yeah, we, yeah. we don't find it an easy place to sit, do we?
0: Oh, not at all. Like everything, it's, it's a great undoing. And if you're okay with that, if you can come to terms with that, there's great undoing, um, a great unlearning in a way, um, and, and, and understand just what a gift that actually is. Because it levels all of us. That's why even the word ground, you know, it returns us back to, to, our, to, to ground zero in, a, in the best possible way.
1: Mm. Yeah. Uh, there's a quote from um, Sir or Pastor Doug, as we would prefer to call him, uh, that I'd like your comments on. Um, it's become a story, of course. To get a tune out of a piano, you can play black notes, you can play white notes, but to get harmony, both are played together. Any comments on that?
0: I love the musicians. I, you know, I'm no musician, um, but and I just love quality artists. You know, to me that it's such a great statement, obviously. But I I just love how it resonates with art. And I would, if if there's such a thing as having tips in this space, listen to your artists. Artists are are the ones who are okay with the not knowing. I've been trying to remember this quote. I read this great article about a, um, a granddaughter of. It's a bit obscure. She's the granddaughter of the missionaries who started the Baptist mission work out in Walpuri Country, which is right out in the central desert of Australia. And she talked about Keats. I think it was Keats, the poet, who talked um, mentions um, this idea um, of of negative capacity. And I said, "Well, what the heck is that?" But it's basically being okay with not knowing, not having the, the answers. And I think our artists are the one who uh, our artists can lead us into these spaces. Yeah, mm-hmm. of wrestling with creative uncertainty and being okay with that and not no, having to have all the answers, but willingly entering those spaces of faith, really. And I think that that, to me, at least I love the, the musical side of it, even though I'm not musical, but that, not, that sense of playing music um, or creating artwork together is another way, a beautiful way, of being invited into this. So I don't think we should be afraid, even though it, it challenges us so
1: deeply. Steve, any comments on, on that um, quote from Doug? Faster Doug?
3: Yeah, I think... Um... Harmony speaks about relationship, and relationship happens when you actually spend time together, when you have coffee together, when you actually invest in each other's lives—not from a distance, not from Google, not from that kind of stuff—but it actually is, is about investment in a relationship together, and um, and that takes time, and that takes intentionality, and uh, it means yeah, stepping out of your comfort zone. So um, that that's been, I know, part of our journey for the last you know, thirty years or so. And it's not easy, but it it does. It's it's well and truly worth it.
1: There's um, Sorry, you were going to say, come on. Yeah, I was just
2: going to say, that's spot on. Like, when we went to Jurekai and I asked Nick, you know, how can we help? What can we do when we're up there? I was very much the whole Martha thing, that's my gig. And (laughs) he was like, do you know what? This is... We're just going to call it the friendship tour. <laughs> like, we're just there to build relationships just to connect. And I think that's spot on. It's just about being intentional, about spending time and building connections.
1: And sometimes hearing hard truths, mm. even if they're not stated. Do, does that make sense? When you sit with people? Mm. Any comment on that?
0: Oh, totally. Look, again, uh, that same uh, granddaughter poet that I was just talking about, it's about the, one of the, the greatest ways of learning um, with, and listening is actually presence and, and observational. So that we, it just calls out to us to, to look with sensitivity, to, to look and to listen with sensitivity. And even not, the listening is not even about listening to gain information. It's listening that leads us to presence, isn't it? We know what that's like ourselves. I, at least I do. I mean, I'm so bound up, but I know when somebody really does listen to me and hears me, it's about the presence. So it doesn't even matter what really I'm saying. You know, I'm, I'm good at rambling, you may have gathered. Uh, and I think that I'm making huge amounts of uh, incredible wise, you know, statements and the most, uh, the most sense on, uh, that anyone can make. But at the end of it, it's really about presence, being seen and being heard. So it's the same thing. We all know that in our own lives. We know what it is to be seen and heard.
1: Mm. So to wrap up our conversation, what's one thing that you'd encourage discovery to do as we engage and as we begin this conversation. Steve, start off with you. One
3: thing. Uh, Listen. Listen. Really listen. Hmm. Carly.
2: I'm going to... I shared this at conference um, not that long ago, but I'm going to share a word that um, I was taught up in Jurakai by Banjalang And it's banam, and it's a beautiful word, and it sticks with me wherever I go. And it means little brother. And the reason I love it is because of the story that came with it. They were talking about when they go out to gather firewood or to, you know, join together for a meal... Uh, The older brother gathers a lot of wood, the big pieces of wood and brings it to the table and he's in charge and he's leading the way but the little brother brings what he can bring and he brings a smaller piece of wood but he still comes to the table. There's a place for everyone, a job for everyone and the little brother's task is to listen and learn from the big brother and I took that with me on every mission trip I've been on, every team I've led, I've gone to our host whether Philippines, Indonesia, wherever and I said we are here to be little brother we're here to listen and to learn and thank you for having us and I think that's just what I would encourage everyone to do just go into every situation as the the younger sibling willing to listen and to learn but in humility. Mm. Well done.
0: Oh, they, they, those guys have stolen <laughs> 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 words that I have um, but it's the same you know when you talk about and when Matt was talking about being agents of reconciliation. What if we know? known, that's our culture, you know, people say, oh, that's the the culture of that place, you know, that's about, they know what it is, and we all, we all know that reconciliation comes with that, uh, often the letting go, isn't it, relinquishing um, so much, you know, and we're called to sort of let go of, I like the picture, my picture of, and I I don't know why frozen comes into my head, but... uh, (laughs) Let it go, you know. This like, yeah, idea—I kind of feel like most You've of my life—I've kind of been, <laughs> I look, at, yeah, Um You know, I've been white knuckled holding on to things and trying to control things. And even in this space, there's a real strong temptation to fix and to control. But as the guys have just said, the listening, coming as that younger brother or the younger sister, and not and be, and not having to be the fixer in our own strength, but trusting and allowing that the spirit that. It's called us into unity, into connection. is the same spirit of work in that relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a humility in listening, isn't there? Let's express our appreciation for the panel. <laughs> Thanks, <Pam. laughs> As we've been <clears throat> saying, it's the beginning of a conversation and it'll probably end up being a quite a long conversation. Uh, but some next steps uh, that I'd like to uh, invite you to, some uh, questions Um, to be considered. Who's, Who's isolated and disconnected in your world right now that you could seek to share peace with? Who's isolated and disconnected in your world right now that you could seek to share peace with? What steps, confession or repentance, humility, what steps might you need to find common ground? How well do you know the history of Australia? How well do you know the history of Australia's First Peoples? What things could you be learning? It really, is what the guys have been saying. If this is uncomfortable, could you choose these spiritual practices? Listen, learn, act, and reflect.
0: Thank you for listening to the Discovery Church podcast. It is our mission that every heart is found in Jesus' story. If you were moved by this episode, please take 30 seconds to share it on your social media It only takes a couple of seconds to create life-changing impact.